You may be seated. I want to invite you just to live in the moment, live in the present right now, because it's Good Friday, and this is a day hundreds of millions of people today are doing what we're doing. They're focusing on, on the death of Jesus. They're focusing on the sacrifice that God made for us. In this hour, probably tens of millions around the world, in the next hour, tens of millions around the world, in the next one, are cel- uh, not celebrating, remembering along with us. So I invite you right now, with this incredible worship, with a message from Scripture, live in this moment. It's been a busy day for many of us. But for the next couple of minutes, I invite you just to relax. Don't worry about all the things going on. Focus on Jesus, on worshiping him. You know, I, I heard several times today people say, Happy Good Friday. Happy Good Friday. And isn't that peculiar? Isn't it peculiar to think, why, why is this day called Good Friday? Because for Jesus, it didn't seem to be good as he was on that cross. Do you ever wonder why? We call it Good Friday. It's because we know the rest of the story. We know the rest. Friday wouldn't be good if it just ended on Friday. We know that the cross was not a defeat. We know that the cross itself was a great victory. It was a great victory. The Gospel of John records that when Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. As he was hanging on that cross, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. His purpose was complete. See, on that day that Jesus died, death also died. Ultimately, death was done. Jesus had, was, was in that moment, Nobody knew it yet, but in that moment, death was hanging on to its last hope because in a couple of days, Jesus would rise from the dead and death would be defeated forever. The temple curtain was ripped in two, top to bottom. Direct access was now made possible to the Father. And so we celebrate Good Friday. It is good The results that come from the death of Jesus are life and eternity with him. But at the same time, we need to face the depth of his sacrifice. We remember that the price that God chose to pay for us, for our sin. See, salvation is free for us. But it it was not free to God. It was not without cost. the price of our redemption was very steep. Our debt cost Jesus more than we could ever imagine. He was the Lamb of God, a sacrifice that was planned from the beginning of time. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah explained in detail the price that the Messiah would pay. So for the next couple of minutes, let's remember 
what was said about Jesus even before he was born. And Isaiah, and I apologize, it's supposed to say Isaiah 53. It says, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses, our weaknesses that he carried, our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles, we thought they were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten. Why? So that we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. See, all of us, we're like sheep. We have strayed away. We, we've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong, and he had never deceived anyone. Yet he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan <clears throat> to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. Just look around. Many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished, accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels and he bore the sins of many and interceded for those rebels. Isn't it amazing that, <clears throat> excuse me, these words were written hundreds of years before Jesus was even born? See, it was God's plan from the very beginning. Jesus was born to die. He took on flesh to pay for the sins of humanity, all of humanity, every language, every tribe, every nation, Jews and Gentiles, people all over the world of all times. He came for all of us. He was despised and rejected. He was whipped and scourged. Upon his head was thrust a crown of thorns. His hands and feet, they were pierced with thick Roman nails. See, <clears throat> the one who was born to angels singing joy to the world, the one who was present with the Father as creation sprang into being, who knew the deepest ecstasy of what it was like to be in heaven's community, at that very moment as he hung on the cross, he was stricken, crushed, and chastised. And Mark tells us that Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, 
lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, greater than the physical pain that he experienced from that agony of hanging on the cross as the sacrificial lamb, worse than that was that he had to pay the penalty for our sin. In that moment, he felt completely alone and separated from the Father. Why? So that we would no longer have to be alone and separated from the Father. See, it says in in Corinthians that God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Why would he do this? Why? Why would he think that we're worth it? Hebrews says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Doesn't it make you wonder what possibly could be worth the joy of crucifixion? What joy could possibly be worth it? That joy is us. We're that joy. God deemed the cross worth bearing so that you and I could be made right with him. He loves us so much as his creation, as his children, as He loves us so much that he was willing to not just become a man and show us the way, not just to become a man and help teach us and and guide us and lead us, but he became a man so that he could do those things but ultimately die on that cross so that all of justice could be made right, that everything, all of our sin could be paid for so that we could be righteous. We could be in relationship with God. We are his joy. God wanted a relationship with us, and he had to be the one to restore that. The Apostle Paul sums it up this way. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. How? Because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us, made it possible to be friends with God. What kind of love is this? What kind of love is it that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? How how is this kind of love even possible? I don't understand that kind of love. Who loves like this? Jesus Jesus does, our Lord and Savior, our Redeemer, the one who died my death and your death so that we could find life. We could be right with God. Life, that is the invitation of love. Jesus died so that we could have life. You know, when, when somebody goes to another person and tries to offer friendship, they try to initiate a relationship, that relationship is absolutely impossible until the other person responds. See, that, that's what the cross was all about because like all relationships, a relationship w- with God requires a response. He did everything possible to initiate the relationship. He did everything possible so that we could be right with God. He invites us to follow him. He invites us to be a part of his family. And like any relationship, the response 
changes the trajectory of our lives. It changes the direction of that relationship. See, in just a few moments, we're going to be remembering Christ's sacrifice as we receive communion together. This is, this is a holy observance that, that goes all the way back 2,000 years to the night Jesus died. For 2,000 years, those who have dedicated their lives to Christ, they've continually come together to remember the sacrifice in communion. So that's my invitation to you right now, that you might take communion in these few minutes as a follower of Jesus, that you can identify with his death and so that you can experience life, life in him. See, your whole life, Jesus has been walking alongside you, pursuing you, desiring that you and he have that relationship, that, that you would be his child. He has been pursuing you your whole life, walking alongside you, inviting you to follow him. And before we take communion, I want to invite you again to choose to do so today, to walk with him, to choose to follow him. Would, would you... Would you bow your head and let's clo close your eyes. Just in the, draw a circle around yourself. Just a time between you and God. Because whether you've chosen to follow Jesus in the past or, or, or you haven't, but you, you know this, it's time that you want to choose him. I, this is your time to reflect and to say to Jesus, I cannot imagine the kind of love that would go to a cross and pay for my sins. I continually say no to you, yet you continually invite me to follow you. Thank you. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for offering me life. Tonight, Jesus, I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you. I, I choose to respond to your offer of forgiveness. Jesus, I don't want life to be about me anymore. Life's found in you, so help me follow you with all of my heart. Help me grow to become more and more like you. In your name I pray, amen. Now don't look up, please, please, just for a second, if you'll indulge me. I, I will never embarrass you ever from the stage uh, intentionally. But if you, prayed that, if you prayed that prayer tonight, I, I would love to know. If you chose to follow Jesus, would, would you be willing to just raise your hand real quick? And I, I'm not going to call on you or anything. Think. There's several people. Thank you. Everybody look up. See, for those who raised your hand, I want to welcome you to the family of God. You. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> You have chosen to take the greatest step of your life. God wants to, he does want to change the trajectory towards wholeness and restoration and life. Beautiful things. And, and tonight, you get to participate in this communion as a follower of Jesus. This, the, your first communion as a follower of Jesus I want to invite Pastor Jim up here. He is, uh, he's going to lead us through communion.
He's going to share a little bit more about that. But welcome to the family.